Hello. Hello. How you Hello, doing? Hello, listeners. Hello, C. <laughs> Hi, listeners. Hi, Sarita. You all right? I'm good, thank you. You? Yeah, yeah, good. Um, somewhere different today. Somewhere different. No um, pink background. Some oh. would say it's a very sophisticated look for those yeah. um, who are just um, listening in on our podcast. Well, that's the only option nowadays. But <laughs> um, it's a very swanky hotel room. Goodness me. Mm. We have a suite, nice. my dear. A, a, a suite. Excuse I. I know, right? Didn't really have a choice because that's the only type of family rooms they do. <laughs> oh, okay. So yeah. clearly you're not in any kind of budget hotel. This is a premium oh, luxury. It's, nah, it's a spa hotel. I wouldn't, I wouldn't Listen, go so far to say. Budget hotels do not have spas. Yes, they do, but, well, the hotels I go to. <laughs> Listen. Oh, my goodness. Put me in my place. Well, it's not London prices. Let's just say that. Okay. Okay. Well, it looks very nice. Nevertheless. Nevertheless. Thank you. Um, And uh, this canary yellow. Is it canary yellow? I don't know. Or lemon. Is it more of a lemon that you're wearing? I think it's more lemon. Yeah. Um, Okay. I don't know why I said canary yellow. It's not canary at all. It is definitely a lemon. I'm embracing um, spring. I'm thinking if I dress for spring, it'll come. Dress for yeah. Dress for the season that you want. Yes, yes, okay. Um, yeah. Well, I'm all in black. Okay. Dressing for <gasps> Halloween. Oh, okay. I was gonna say murder, kill, murder, <laughs> yeah. so plotting. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. But I do definitely want summer. Forget spring. Mm-hmm. I think we should just yeah. bypass spring straight to yeah. summer. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, how is your half term going? It's that going. last week Yeah, yeah. It's going okay actually. Been doing lots of fun stuff. So Ooh. the last time I spoke to you, I can't remember, had I done the escape room? No. What's <sighs> the I've never been to escape rooms. Tell me. Oh man, so I was so nervous. So there's we went to one <laughs> in um it's in Islington, Highbury yep. in Islington. Um so for those London peeps, um North London. It's really easy to get to, just right by the station. So uh, took myself, a friend, another adult friend, and we had three children with us. And thank okay. God for those children, <laughs> because if not for them, I don't think we'd have done it. It's funny, your brain works differently when you're an older person. You just don't see the same things as these young kids do. So oh. there were lots of clues. We did, um, it was a... Um, Silence of the Lambs themed room. Not really the room you'd want to take kids <laughs> to, but it was the only option left. <laughs> so, <laughs> it sounds amazing though. But yeah. It was, yeah, it was good. And luckily our kids are into that kind of thing. So it's fine. Um, okay. And just a series of clues. We had to work out what Hannibal Lecter had done with all the, all of these bodies. You know, there were plates <laughs> of livers and, and hearts and bits of brain. I am totally serious. Limbs. So it was kind of saw slash Silence of the Lambs themed. There was a leg in a bath. Um, wow. You had to find a key and padlock combinations. It was so much fun. And we did it. We 
we were able to escape. You got out. In the so time. what was the hardest question? Do you get questions, like clues? What was the hardest clue? Lots clues? of clues. So I don't want to give it away just in case anyone okay. does want to go and do it. Okay. Um, but there were, let me think. Um, I, don't, I, I, I don't, they were all pretty difficult, to be honest. We had to get two mm. hints because we were stuck on on a couple. But it was a, it was like the crystal maze but without the physical part of it so there were a lot of logical um games there was um you had to read some stuff and work out what it was saying um whole, whole manual of illnesses and from that you had to infer what the answer to a particular clue it was just um yeah it engaged all parts of the brain pretty intense and if, it was the, if the kids don't turn out to be mass murderers slash yeah, um, yeah. cannibals yeah they're gonna be the best detectives ever i'm saying come I'm on saying. come on yes so yeah that was a bit of a highlight for us what about you what have you guys have you been coping with half time uh, or easter holidays yeah, Easter holidays. We've been good. We're in Cambridge. That's why we're in a um a suite, fancy suite. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we've just been pottering around. We went into Cambridge, I guess, town yesterday. Um, in the town. In the town. Can't remember what we've done. Lots of food. Food's mm-hmm. always good. Oh, we went to play mini golf outside golf. I think my <laughs> eldest is a bit sick of it though, because I'm not being funny. Because I've taken him. And then I took him again because he liked it. And yeah. then because the little one didn't come with us, we went again, all three of us. Okay. Because dad hadn't been, we went, went again. again. <laughs> so not being, yeah, I'm probably a bit tired of it now. Like at least let's wait a year till we go back to golf. Okay. Like, at least a year. Okay. And today we're going punting. Ooh. Not going to lie, didn't know what that was. Who <laughs> <laughs> oh, knows what punting is? Well, I mean, it's a very English thing. And, um, yeah. I'm hardly English, English. You've lived in in England all your life. I don't don't know. But near water, there was no water in... Well, there was a canal. There is a canal in Wembley. (laughs) Who goes punting in Wembley on the canal? (laughs) Not I. True. (laughs) Okay, so don't fall in, Sarita. That's um, my advice for you. Don't fall in. Yeah, my... I'm gonna to have to change, aren't I? Realistically, I, I think yeah. So for the per, for the, for the benefit of our listeners, Sarita has her shoulders exposed. She is dressed for and spring legs. slash thumb and legs exposed. Yeah, but um, a little jumper t- tie it around your shoulders. That's a bit of a punting look, isn't it? That's what they do in Cambridge. <laughs> shoulders and then tying the sleeves in a little bow. Exactly. <laughs> That's what you're trying to get me to do. And that would fit yeah. in very well with the aesthetic of Cambridge. Right, okay. right. Yeah, okay. do that, do that. You're listening to the Women Who Rebrand podcast. Honest and humorous conversations all about the natural and individual transitional phases people experience to grow, start over or rebrand to become their most authentic selves. Hosted by former mummy bloggers Sarita Fontaine and Chioma Olalei and guest featuring professional rebranders. You can find us on Instagram at Women Rebranded. Our 
guest today is um, is working in marketing, right? C, what do you know about marketing? Oh, gosh. So, <laughs> I, I used That's to think... very excited. Well, God. It's, so, it sounds really glamorous. And our guest mm-hmm. last week, she used to be in PR and marketing, and then she moved into birth working. Um, mm-hmm. But... She was talking about it being very much all celebrity, you know, you get invited to parties, all of this kind of thing. So in my head, that's what I associate with marketing. But Mm -hmm. as I have tried to build this family business that we've got going on Mm. at Hey Is That Me Shop, for those of you who haven't yet visited our Instagram, um, I'm I'm realising just how difficult marketing is. But it's so much Mm. more than just posting onto Instagram and keeping your fingers Mm. crossed that people are going to buy your product. It's really about understanding who your audience is, targeting towards that audience, giving them what they want, putting in calls to action, all of that kind of stuff. And it's a bit like hard work. It is really You've done a bit, but you do it for for clients, right? So people, clients Um, have paid you to create content for them as part of marketing campaigns so yeah yeah well I've enjoyed that I do like well with the right brand um I do like the whole content creation kind of thing and basically essentially if they have a product that they want to um advertise they'll come to me and then sometimes they'll have a brief most of the time they'll have a brief and then sometimes I'm like well unfortunately that's not what I do like um I kind of steered away from the whole, right, we've got a product and we'd like you to take a picture. So I just think it's a bit boring and I don't think, I kind of understand my audience. Hmm. And if I had like, say, I don't know, a shampoo bottle and they literally wanted me to just take a picture, I'm sure you can take millions of fantastical pictures. However, the budget that usually comes with we want you to take a picture isn't worth me doing some elaborate set and hmm. going off and getting smoke machines um and all that <laughs> give me a budget i will happily do that i will happily <laughs> ain't happening but yeah um it's been fun unfortunately there's been like um not gonna name any names but you know what i think it's more the prs rather than the brand getting it wrong i think i've been contacted mm-hmm. by a lot of prs that just want to like get as many people as they can mm-hmm. um they probably have a budget mm-hmm. um get as many people as they can um and just everyone does the same thing right. so there was a particular pr um there was um, a brand that I liked and she was like, okay, so this brand is going to be doing some things over Christmas. It's going to be great. So just let us know which ones you would like to do. And then we'll let you know if um, that brand, because it was like across one brand collaborating with a, across different um, brands, I guess, collaboration with other brands. I don't okay. Too much okay. Away. Yeah. yeah. Um, so anyway, let us know which ones you want to do did that and they were like well unfortunately um none of the brands actually want to work with you so i was like okay safe that's cool that's cool (laughs) i don't mind it's cool i don't mind (laughs) um and then um when i said i don't mind that's cool that's cool she came back to me and was like well let me see if um they'll send you a product and then you can do it and get involved. I was like, well, 
hell no, I'm not being a part of your campaign for a free product because I, I really want to oh. buy it myself. Yeah. I didn't want to pay you just yeah. do free work yeah. and advertise the first their thing product. Was, we're going to be doing this. It's obviously paid work. Let us know right. which ones we're going to do. Yeah. Then she came back and said, well, um, what's in your product? And then you can get involved. <laughs> I was like, no. <laughs> and then she was like, okay, well, let me see if I can find um, £100. And then we can get you involved. I was like, okay. I'm sorry, but number one, this is my fee. Yeah. Number two, they already said no. Yeah. Number three in my head, don't be trying to play games with me because I know exactly how it works. Yeah. If I went to that brand, they'd be disgusted by you <laughs> trying to get a black creator. Number one's mm. trying to get it done for free and mm. then underpaying significantly. Um, oh, and Lordy. again, for that, that fee... I would have to do a picture that would take me all of 10 seconds because that is the only time I'm doing that for a hundred pounds, 10, mm. 10 seconds, 10 seconds. And my audience isn't going to like it. So I was like, no, I'm out. But yeah. Marketing's fun. <laughs> <laughs> that really bad for me exposing by the same names. So no, I, th- I think more of that exposing needs to be done to be quite honest, because yeah. people, like you, who've got um, a history in the industry, who've, who've got a name, you've got your own brand, you've worked hard to build it up, you mm. you know that you can say no to that kind of stuff because you'll yeah. get people approaching you. But other people who are just branching out into yeah. this world might feel under pressure to do stuff for free just to get their name out there or take the really pathetic pittance that they're being offered. Yeah. And, and why should they? I mean, because and this is another conversation. I don't know whether this is for today or not, but the 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 challenge that individuals who market themselves on social media have around, is it about the numbers? Is it about the number of followers that you have? Or is it mm. about the quality of your content? Because you could have like 250 followers, but be create Dude. so creative, yeah. um, put, putting together incredible reels, so funny, relatable, all of that kind of stuff. Um, and then you would not get, anywhere near what somebody yeah. with 1.5 million followers has who is just trading off the back of being off on a reality tv show or something but also how many of their followers are real because not being funny oh. see see we've seen it oh. when someone pops up <laughs> we've seen it how have they got oh well done oh. them they've got all these followers out of nowhere they must be doing so much good work oh. such great content and you're like but you know it's very obvious when people buy their followers yeah. because you're like, okay, you go to check their followers, uh, no one you know, nah. you're not um, even connected nah. from a certain demographic, all of them, yeah, and yeah. they all have like one follower each. Yeah, Come on, guys, stop yeah. doing it because it just is so obvious, number one, and you don't just come with authentic business, please. Oh, Love you. Gosh. Don't buy in. Exactly. Followers. Exactly. Twenty twenty two. Oh, sis, sis. This not authenticity even, is so important. It's, it's not so... even twenty twelve um, behavior. <laughs> like we're going back ten years. No, it's like going back what 15, 20 years behavior. 
Come on, Sarita. I'm cringing hard. I'm cringing so hard. I think we need to move out of this conversation and get our yes. guest on. Let's get our guest to. to tell us how to do it properly. Marie Claire, welcome, welcome, welcome. So, thank you. No problem me. at all. Sarita, do you want to introduce? Do you want to do yes. this? Yes. Um, I will introduce um, Marie Claire. It's pronounced, I just want to make sure, Marie, Marie. Uh, to, to be honest, it doesn't matter. I get loads of different, like, pronunciations. Okay. So okay. whatever you choose to use, I, I respond to. Some people call me MC, which I, I'm not sure how I feel about that. But Mary Claire. Okay. I've done that. I've done that. <laughs> MC. Maybe it depends. It's, it's not, it, do you know what? I normally sometimes sign off MC. Okay. Like, in a rush. Because Mary Claire is quite long to write. Yeah, double hyphen. Um, but it... But it's when older people sort of say it to me, they really hit the door. Like, no, joking. I'm not in older people. Okay. Can we put it? Yeah, let's move on to the intro, please, Sarita. Right. Marie Claire is joint co founder of Lemon Quarters Media, a boutique content agency where starting and listening into exciting conversations is the driving factor over pushing out tired, uninspiring content. I love that. I love that. Um, Having worked for 15 years plus in the advertising and content marketing world with the likes of Have Us Worldwide, RAPP UK and Saatchi, Marie Claire decided to create her own practice, incorporating her wealth of knowledge, contacts and clients in the tech space. Ah, I love it. I love it. How would Mm. you describe yourself, Marie Claire? How would I describe myself? Um, I'm constantly... You guys call it rebranding. I call mm-hmm, it changing. Mm-hmm. I'm. I have. I have the core. I have core hobbies and um, interests, but occasionally they chop and change quite okay. quite quick and fast and rapid. Um, and that kind of follows a little bit about you know my working background. But because when, when I was doing the prep for this, I kind of looked at my working background. Well, actually, every step mm-hmm. has helped mm-hmm. the other elements. So I needed to do those things at the beginning, even though they were very, mm-hmm. very different mm-hmm. from what I'm doing now. They all kind of, they all kind of help join the dogs. Yeah, we found sense. that in terms of people that have rebranded, like myself and C, but a lot of other guests, we found that even though the things we were doing before then rebranded, or we like to also say grown, those things have yeah. been necessary to get us where we are today and little elements of parts of exactly. those careers or jobs or even hobbies are kind of like just yeah. condensed into the now, which mm. I think is fabulous. And transferable. And I think, yeah. Yeah. That's the whole point of growth and rebranding. Um, everything yeah. you do is for a reason. So I started off in a really sort of, I started off in uh, working as a teacher, Ooh. conversational teacher, Wow. In Japan, my very first job. So after my, well, before my degree, I kind of had this thing that I wanted to go and live in Japan mm. and learn the language. And so I discovered at a very early age, the only way you could do that is with a degree. They let you in and they pay you a lot of money right. to have a degree. And it had to be a good degree. It couldn't just be a pass. Right. It had to be a good degree. And then you could get to either join, I think the government called it the JET mm. program back then. Uh, but I did it slightly different. I applied directly to uh, what I thought was a school. <laughs> um, so I, so I, 
so it was a school, but it was like a, an English conversation school. So they the, they are these commercial schools that help everyday sort of Japanese people learn conversational English right. grammar. So that's where I started. Okay. Um, but these schools coming straight from university, I had no idea the pain that I was going to experience working at these schools because they were really long hours. So they were like something like from eight o'clock in the morning ah. to 10 o'clock at night. And then if you ever lived anywhere in Japan, you realize that you could never afford to live in the center. So you'd live right. quite far out. And so traveling back and forth to work took Oh, wow. Hours, so it wasn't even remote. More than an hour. To actually yeah. go in physically as well. But wow. Yeah, so it was a, a, a house or building that you went in very early and you left really late and you were back to back teaching conversational English and grammar, which I was really, <laughs> really bad at because I, I was never taught. We weren't back in the day. No. no. Yeah. You just couldn't exactly. speak English. Yeah. Right? So, so. So explaining to a Japanese person in English how to structure a sentence was mm. really challenging for me. I was like, this is how you say it. I don't know why. And I don't just have to it. <laughs> it is what it is. That's how you just do it. Yeah. So, yeah. so after, after a month of that, I thought, I cannot stick this, but I'm not going back to London. So I applied for another job, a proper job in a proper school. And it was, um, it was like an American, it was the American uh, English school in the center in Meguro, uh, Tokyo. And it was so nice. You were teaching proper children. Um, you had a oh, teaching wow. assistant. Hours were like uh, nine till sometimes uh, nine to oh. maybe one or one, two, three. They're really, and basically I got to learn a lot of Japanese because A, I was teaching children um, and teenagers and B, I had a lot more time on my hands. I was no longer doing that horrendous day of traveling really far out and working really like mm. horrible hours and teaching grammar which i couldn't do i was teaching economics and english and i had a um a teaching assistant that was amazing so i spent two years doing that and when i got back to the uk i to be honest i didn't really know what to do i thought oh mm -hmm. what can i do i just knew that i didn't want to travel very far to where i had to go and I wanted to work in an environment that was like super cool. Like that, they're the two criterias. So that led me to a boutique PR agency in St. John Street, which at the time I lived near King's Cross. So that was walking distance. Mm -hmm. So that ticked that box. Um, and I worked there for about a year, but they, but they pigeonholed me into sort of social injustice issues oh. and working with clients that were so some of the clients that they had were the commission for racial equality now like, you're working on that I wonder why. Why. And they had, um, <laughs> well the chairman at the time was when he saw me at one of the events he made a beeline for me he was oh like finally they've hired a wow. black woman and i was like uh so yeah so and then they put me on other like i worked on sort of jamaican charities and they put me on a couple of like animal charities. And I, I was like, oh, I don't really want to work mm. on these sort of mm. things at the time. I wanted to work mm. on tech accounts. And I wanted to work um, more when I kind of 
discovered tech, I then wanted to work more on financial services. So I moved from that boutique PR and I'm agency and I moved into a uh, marketing and advertising company and got to work in tech okay. and got to work in financial services. And then from there, I kind of moved into creating infomercials, which were those really long, um, people say I work in TV, but I, it wasn't, it, it was, yes. but it wasn't, you wouldn't see my ads on the telly. You would see, they were infomercials. So they were those, you know, the shopping channels. Ah, yeah. Yes. yes. Okay. They were those really long, they weren't adverts, but they were more right. storyboards. So I had to do the same thing that an advertising yeah. did. So create storyboard, get the brief from the client, create the storyboard, and work out the key, you know, audience, work out the budget, all of that stuff, and then, you know, get it ready to be on TV and so, direct as well. Sorry, so was it team. like, so I, when you say infomercial, I always think America, and then you know you get like, those sort of pharmaceutical yeah. infomercials, and it's like listing all the things yeah. that are like, these are all the things that can happen to you. <laughs> those. So, exactly. if it's, it's oh, exactly so those. was it actually like pharmaceutical, or, because when you say shopping channels here, then I think of QVC, and there was like... Selling mops. Yeah. And, um, yeah. yeah, 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 okay. all of that. But when I got to be able to choose mm -hmm. and lead a team, I said, I want to do 60 seconds. I want to start testing 60 second okay. ads. And I want to start placing them on Channel 5, oh, wow. on ITV, Channel 4. So then I moved, because a lot of the information mm -hmm. worked really mm -hmm. well in the US and they worked mm -hmm. very well in that format. And um, in the UK, what we wanted to do is test the yeah. different formats. And so I kind of led that. So we, I got to do some uh, proper commercials, but um, they didn't work very well. But um, at least we got to yeah. test them and get to understand the different types of audiences. And the products we worked on were financial products. Okay. So they were those uh, payday uh, We also worked on a lot of sort of pharmaceutical um, companies as well. And we also worked on uh, sort of healthcare right. stuff as well, wow. so a mixture. Um, but we also got to work in different markets, which was really cool. So in Asia, in uh, Europe, and um, which was which was nice because you had to kind of know the legal aspects of yeah. what you were creating. And some things that would work for the UK wouldn't work mm. for Spain. And France, there was no way we were getting anything on air because we couldn't, everything was like... Oh, really? So out of all of them, including yeah, the UK, really France was, has the most legal restrictions? What? Yeah, oh. at the time, it was really hard to get any of our financial products um, aired mm -hmm. in France. It was the big kind of no. So yeah. when... You like legal requirements so obviously back in the day you in the uk you could have cigarette adverts on tv um yeah can you do alcohol now i can't remember but how would you so if you were given a product how would you get around would you like would you attempt to get around the legal things yeah that's so yeah, so majority of what I did was um, every country has a kind of advertising kind of board that signs off 
stuff. So they have to see the script right. first. So you've got to create the script first, and that needs to be signed off. And that takes quite a long time. There's a lot of back and throwing. You can't say this, you can't say that. And then you've got to figure out what can you say. And you kind of work with them and your lawyers to work out how you can word things. Or they want to see what's on screen, what people mm -hmm. are seeing. And, you know, is it, can you justifiably say, that this is the number one right. ever, or can you just, or what is the APR? Is it really yeah. at what, you know, what, you know, these, the fine print, they wanted it hmm. bigger. Uh, but of course, if you say, <laughs> take this loan out, uh, you're going to have to pay like 500 million percent. <laughs> forever. forever. <laughs> no one's going to do it. So yeah, forever. No one's going to do it. So you had to, yeah, you had to get like, creative, um, get those bits signed off before you started okay. shooting. Gosh. And so I'm, yeah. it, I mean, it sounds like this happened really organically, but what you're describing is um, a career that a lot of people would aspire to. Like so many people want to get into yeah. PR marketing. It's so competitive. Yeah. Was there any mm -hmm. prerequisites that you had to have or, or just, did it just take a creative, ambitious mind to get you in there? So so for, so for me, and this is why I kind of said to you that everything I did along the step of the way really helped. So for me, having uh, at the time fluent Japanese on my CV right at the top made my CV right, right, right. to the top. So everyone was like, we want to speak to this girl. And then turning up and then seeing me because my name doesn't really suit <laughs> my face. And my voice doesn't really suit my face. I, I, I look different. Mm -hmm. from yeah, so you don't fit the stereotypes. They're thinking, yeah. yeah, they're expecting to see some French girl or some German oh, girl. Yeah. I've had that. Uh, and then I turn up um, and I can do the work and I can fit into those, um, I can fit into the gaps. And, I, and I'm quite, I wasn't, um, I did an economics degree, mm -hmm. so I was good with figures. And I was good creatively. So it helped. Because when you're in these careers, you think you're just mm. doing the creative side. There's actually a whole money side and a budget mm. side that you're actually making sure that you're adhering to. And there's they don't really tell you, but everything has an ROI. It has to be. ROI, for those and who don't know, return on investment. So it's all very well putting stuff out that looks fantastic. But if it's not bringing the client the return it's not successful. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. And it, sometimes that's hard because you're working with people that are super creative and have these, they, they, they want to do these really kind of, I don't know, fly an aeroplane with a massive balloon out of these lights and Yeah, so it is, I mean, at the, before going into that, sector i didn't really know okay. about it apparently i wasn't your typical person applying for that role a lot of the people applying for those roles had either communications background or marketing background mm -hmm. or business background um i came as a, a an economics grad with politics minor um and being a teacher in japan for two years so i had a very different um cv that mm -hmm. kind of stood out mm -hmm. But, but that helped me get into the PR role and that PR role helped me get into marketing and that marketing helped me get into advertising. And then from mm -hmm. there, I went and worked for a, it was large at the time, but it was a content marketing agency. And my role was to make the team, help the sales team make lots of money 
by coming up with ideas of packaging content for financial decision makers and tech businesses, which I kind of done. If you look at my career in little bits, I've kind of yeah. done that throughout. Um, so I did that for, uh, I think two years until they kicked me out. They made me redundant. And I, I was like, <laughs> I'm going to take. Ah. <laughs> yeah. Wait, yeah, wait, before you get all. sued, because you just totally said, said what you did on air. <laughs> <laughs> Do you not have, like, a contract or something that says, hold on, you work with the clients here, you're not allowed to take anything with you? Did they not? So, yeah, so the contract, um, because when you're made redundant, you are allowed to get your own lawyer oh. as well. They pay for you to get your own lawyer, just to look right. over things. But my lawyer was a, a family friend who was like... Um, and I asked, I said, look, this is what I'm going to do. And he was like, that's fine because a company cannot legally make you not able yeah. to live ah. or survive or not pay your rent or whatever. Um, there is a time yep. period. But I didn't take the database. <laughs> I didn't need that. Your USB um, stick in. Take- Here we go. <laughs> that's what I was imagining. Uh, yeah. I, I, but but the, the funny thing is I created all those assets so i i can mm. recreate them so that was i didn't need that didn't okay need clients um emails they i was linkedin with ah. everyone anyway. that's when linkedin was really starting yeah. to be big for me and um I, I did it that way um but funny enough we didn't we when i say we myself and my co-founder we had we did lots of work with people and clients mm. that we worked with when we were in-house, but when we set up our own thing, we kind of used those as partnerships. We didn't directly uh, hmm. benefit or hmm. take okay. them on as clients. And they actually went, our, our main client actually relocated to North Carolina. We weren't right. going to do that. So, ah. so yeah. you've mentioned the fact that you've got um, a coworker, there's someone that works with you, and um, you've started your own um was it a content agency? Yeah, content, Co- content, content agency. Um, yeah. Sarita, oh, sorry, sorry. Before we get into that, I'm so, I'm so sorry, but I want to rewind, okay? Sorry. <laughs> I feel like Marie Claire's missed out a big chunk of what she's done. Oh, I have. Oh. I right. have. Okay. I have. I have, actually. So, as I was saying before, I do have a lot of hobbies mm-hmm. and things that I do, actually, and I kind of tap into them now and then. And one of the hobbies that I've always had was designing handbags and buying handbags and creating kind of vintage inspired handbags. So I spent a lot of time in Italy trying to find a manufacturer that would like make them to that quality. Um, and eventually I was successful, but it took up so much yeah. time because not only are you designing and not only are you um, getting them made, so the whole production thing is a big it's a gig, honestly. It really is. And then, uh, so the production, the uh, designing, and then the selling, and then the promotion. It is. It, it, you do. You yeah. do need a team. And not only do you need a team, you need backers because, as a single creative, it's impossible to do by yeah. yourself. Um, so that, I did that, and, and that's how I met um, C on on LinkedIn by doing, doing that and having a voice on that wow. platform, um, talking to people about being a busy 
creative designing handbags and raising my he's now eight year old son Aww. with my partner <laughs> well, we're, we're super happy. We're super happy and grateful that it's on silence. So thanks for that. Um, we all both say because C has um, her shop with the T-shirts and the prints, which is amazing. Um, I have a little shop online and have not had time to devote any time to it at all. And we were saying in terms of marketing, it's not just about posting a pretty picture online and then lo and behold you get loads of sales yeah. and you're sold out and you can like retire um yeah there's so much work nowadays and i think as social media mm. has grown so has the amount of content you're expected to yeah. produce just to sell one yeah. thing and it, like tiktok is obviously taking yeah. over now um please god instagram do not buy tiktok because it's actually really good um <laughs> I was watching um, a hairdresser last night, actually. He came up on my feed and I didn't realise he was a hairdresser. He just did funny skits, um, made up this character. And then it was like, the skits had like loads of views, like, yeah, 100,000. Then his next post would actually be about a product that he's selling. And the next post would be him cutting hair. They wouldn't get as many views as the skits, but... It's very clever. Like, mm. okay, now I know you do hair. I know you're based there. I would actually go and get my hair cut there if I was there. But yeah, you're expected to do so much marketing and yeah, so much goes into it. Know your audience, know what they like. Mm. What is, what yeah. are those social media platforms going to push? Do you have to fund money to get that post boosted? Yeah. yeah, you do need a team. Mm. It is you do tiring. need a team if you want to succeed. So I, I, it's not like the olden days. It's not. <laughs> you could just have your Facebook page yeah. and that's it. <laughs> not anymore. Yeah, yeah. It, it is hard. And, that, and that's what I love about your T-shirt um, um, uh, business, See, It's amazing that although you don't have a team, you do mm, have yes. a family team that can take and design and, and, and do different aspects mm. of it, so it's not all on you, twenty four seven. But yeah, yeah. I think yeah. that's. I think Hoping that's awesome. that as the kids get older, they can take hold of the social media because um, my old brain's not ticking the way it <laughs> used to. And social media, I think, is much more of a young thing or iteration. Like it, it evolves, right? So, Facebook. Mm. Yeah, Facebook was like the thing however many years ago now if you're yeah. on facebook people are like oh what's facebook <laughs> and then it was instagram even now yeah. instagram's a bit like oh what's instagram it's tiktok it's snapchat yeah. it's all of these other things which i couldn't even reel off now so yeah i'm relying on my kids to be social media savvy enough to move mm-hmm. our brand forward mm. it's just i think it's their yeah. money aren't they mm. they're running all the time anyway mm. they know but it's what's also going as you said they, they know it changes the so quickly is. that you do have to keep up and again that is a time mm. element that you may not have because you're designing you're selling mm. you're maybe even in another profession so yeah it's just definitely if yeah. you can get if you can get a team get your team get your team yeah so Marie Claire, you've done, like, you've been employed, you've done the self-employed thing as well, and you are back in the self-employed, but more, um, I guess, professional mm. services world. Mm. What what else have you got in, in the plans? What, what other career goals do you have that you 
are looking to do at some point in the future? Um, so I was thinking about this and um, I, I think for me, I would like to, and this is going to sound a bit lazy, but I would like to work less. Okay. So if I can work less, then that would be like a tick of a goal for me. And if I could, um, instead of, because I'm, my brain is constantly thinking, I'm constantly thinking of new products, new, we call them products, but they're services that we offer, mm. that Lemcourt just offer. So I'm constantly thinking about that. And for me, to accomplish a time where I can just sit back and relax and not work on the weekends or not open an email or just not have a plan, that would be my kind of, that's, what I will, that's where I want to be. Before, if you'd asked me this question last year, it would be, right, I need this client, I need um, uh, this sort of team, I need to, it would all be about the financials, I think. But now it's more about taking more time out for myself and my family and giving back to people that kind of need help or they call it paying forward. I call it giving mm. back, um, helping others, and, and 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 trying to look after the planet that we that we mm. kind of live in. So, some of those things that I've listed aren't what you would call your standard company goals. Um, but for me, that would be that would be my ideal next next move to do less and to do more for other people and to do more for the environment, how we live and how we kind of look after what we've got. Do you think that would come in with employing more people? Because as we said, um, there's so many different things to run a business. Do you think that you doing less would mean you being able to employ other people to do the things that, um, not necessarily you don't want to do, but you want to slow down, mm. replace that that time and that effort with someone else doing those things, so delegating. So, so I do a lot of that at the moment. So for me, it's more about choosing and saying no to things that I don't really need to do. I don't really need to do most of the stuff that I kind of, I'm itching okay. to do. <laughs> I'm itching to do like lots of projects and collaborations, but I don't really need to do them. Um, uh, it, some of it is delegation. I'm, I, I think I'm quite good at that. Um, but some of it is just trying to look at things in a different mm -hmm. way and not looking at everything in a commercial way, in a what can I get right. from this way, um, which I'm so used to doing because coming from that corporate background, everything is about the payback, the return, the investment. What does it look like? So it, it is quite hard to retrain and also i'm from nigeria and trinidadian parents and everything is about where's the money what is the money what does it look like make sure you're not in the red so it's very focused on that so it is kind of retraining yourself to think differently and we if we talked yeah about exactly what it is that lemon quarters does because we introduced it and sarita was going to ask you a bit about it, and then i rudely interrupted so do you want to talk I can, I can tell you. a little bit more yeah. about that? Yeah. So, so Lemon Quarters, what we do is we help our clients who are predominantly 
they are in the kind of financial services space. So they are um, banks or they are fintechs or they are scaling uh, businesses that have reached the next level of their investment. And we, what we help them do, because those sort of companies, they tend to just talk about, I've got a widget and it looks like this. Buy this, this will help you do that. They don't really talk about what it means for you and how it will really help you in, in your sort of day to day. So what we do is we bridge what they are talking about with what the audience or their audience wants to read and listen to. So how we do that is um, we um, we do lots of, um, we run lots of events where we can listen in, we can engage with our the audience, we can ask questions, they can ask questions, and then we repurpose a lot of that content and we share it with a wider audience. So the so our client then has uh, a bank of content that people actually want to read. And what we try and steer them away from is long formatted white papers and really long dull reads. We try and get them to do lots of graphical infographics, lots of stories, lots of experiences, podcasts, sound bites, videos. We try and get it to be really sort of banging and punching and very conversational. And it's funny that um, I started off saying that I was pigeonholed into social <laughs> injustice themes <laughs> at the beginning of my career. So now, Lemon Quarters, what we tend to do is we talk predominantly about social injustice themes from uh, equality, dis discrimination. Uh, at the moment, a lot of the things we're talking about is sustainability and helping the planet. Um, so we've done a whole... Well, I've done a whole kind of full circle and, and, and they're the things actually that I'm quite passionate about and they're the things that I'm trying to get a lot of these tech brands and businesses to also be passionate about and to really care about. And actually a lot of them do, they just don't know where to start or how to engage. Mm. Does that, has that, have I gone on or has that Yeah, yeah that's, that's perfect. And it leads on to okay. um, the well, this week we're having Earth Day coming up. So Earth Day mm. is a day when we as a planet are encouraged to do what we can to, um, well, this year, invest in our planet. So it's all about sustainability. It's all about making sure that we are protecting the world that we're living in because us humans we are the biggest, um, what's the word, parasites um, going. We're, we're just awful. <laughs> so, um, yeah, this year it's invested in our planet. You've talked about how important um, sustainability is to you personally and to um, your business as mm. well. So how are you able to weave that in? How, how are you able to get these fintechs um, to understand how important it is and, and, and what they can do to help the planet? So, so a lot of them actually come to us and ask us to help them appear, appeal to businesses, to show businesses that they are actually doing more sustainable uh, practices within their business. Um, after COP26, there was this whole kind of net zero kind of pledge to get businesses to be net zero by year 2050. 
And what that meant was that government actually put some of that into practice or not quite law yet, but into practice, whereby these big corporate companies, they would have to show that they are using companies that have a standard of being cleaner or greener in their actual company processes. So these big companies would have to physically show, look, I've got X, Y, and Z, and I'm doing X, Y, and Z, for them to be able to kind of operate in the space that they're operating or to get business from the government, or they would have to show that they're working with um, other businesses to really, you know, be more green. So big businesses are really kind of looking at how they can do this. And for some of them, because they're so big, it's, a, it's, quite, it's quite a beast to kind of move and make decisions and change. But for smaller businesses, that like, like a one-man band or a micro-business, for them to tomorrow decide, right, we're not printing paper, that can be just, that can be done quite quickly. Or for them to decide that, right, we're not going to, we're going to have days in the office where you don't have to come into the office or we're going to have days where you, you know, cycle. We, we make everyone cycle into the office or make everyone, um, and that everyone could be three people. So that's doable. But a, a firm with, I don't know, over 2 million people, you can't make all of them cycle into work or you can't make all of them not drive into work. It's really hard. So some of these businesses would come to us and be like, well, what can we do to show that we are being more sustainable and encouraging our audience and showing our audience that we're being more sustainable because people now are starting to change how they buy, they're buying decisions. So people are now, they are choosing to spend more money on something that's more sustainable and maybe more ethical than something that isn't or something that's cheaper. Um, people are now spending their money on brands that align with their social values. And a lot of big companies have tapped into this and they know that. So they are trying to appeal to this audience of, and it's not just Gen Ys or Gen Zs, it's people like you and me. We're all making conscious decisions about where we spend, how we spend. And um, yeah, so what, what we're doing at the moment um, is we're running quite a lot of campaigns at the moment with some big uh, businesses, helping them spread this message and have more of an awareness of what people like you and I can actually do. It's Sarita, I don't know um, how this, this has impacted you in your business, mm -hmm. um, but it, it feels like it's a bit of a no brainer. Like we should all do what we can to um, preserve yeah. the environment that we're living in. But often it's, it is, quite difficult even for small businesses so um, ours is a family mm. business um we produce t-shirts hoodies prints whatever where possible we use recycled materials we use organic cottons um we our packaging is all recyclable um reusable repurposable mm. um we try to print on demand so we're not just creating excess that ends up being wasted all of that kind of stuff mm. but it's really costly for mm -hmm. us 
but we're mm. we've said that we're committed to doing it so we're doing it um mm. and like sweet i know with you like you've used recycled yeah. recyclable packaging materials all of that kind of stuff so yeah my my um products are mainly um greetings cards postcards and well i want to go into prints as well but the packaging is compostable um everything's recyclable um even when i get orders in i don't go out every day um get dropped off so i'm doing mm. less towards the environment but yeah everything that i've purchased is more expensive than you know if i just used whatever yeah. paper and mm. whatever wrapping that couldn't be um that's not biodegradable so the products are slightly more expensive yes and i guess it depends on the um customer whether number one they could afford it that's that's a thing but also whether they're going to choose something that's slightly more money because it's better for the environment or just keep their pennies and make their pennies stretch further it's mm. kind of like difficult but i'm hoping yeah. that as more and more brands become more aware and realize that hey actually mm. some people will specifically buy because you're doing good for the environment that that will just be the norm things are yeah going to be a bit more expensive yeah but it's moving that way. Crossed, um, I don't know. Maybe if more brands are doing it, then it wouldn't be so much more expensive. I don't know. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, there wouldn't yeah. be so much of a difference between yeah. like, what's on. I mean, obviously, the high street, they're, they're dealing in volume, so they can benefit from yeah. that. And things will be a lot cheaper for them than for us. But if we're competing in a market where I'm selling a T-shirt for 25 quid and then someone can just pop down to the local high street Remark. store and yeah Let's be and honest. get it for two, two pounds fifty yeah right it, I'm I'm I still get questions like why is it so expensive like oh my god what are you doing you're creaming up or creaming off all this profit no love mm -hmm. no I'm probably making less profit than than mm. high street lot but yeah. I'm trying to do something that is going to like I keep saying preserve the world that we're living in and, and give people the money they deserve for producing the goods that they're producing, making sure these people working on um, in the in the, the manufacturing plants are getting paid a fair wage, all of that kind of stuff. And I guess it's yeah. people like you, Marie Claire, um, who we need to get that knowledge out there to share the information um, and let more people yeah. understand why it's so important. Um, yeah. And that will trickle down yeah. and help us little businesses, hopefully, to to sell our products. So, so so the government is actually on the mission to get all small businesses to be more, they call it more sustainable, and, they, and they're trying to, because if you think about it, um, there are more small businesses than there are corporates. Small businesses are the engine of every economy. Mm -hmm. Small businesses are the ones that are creating jobs, helping the GDP, helping the environment take over because things are kind of circulating in the economy. We're paying our taxes. We're not like these big corporates that have over offshore accounts and don't have to pay taxes and they can cipher their money into wherever and kind of hide it. We, we you know, we are in nice. this country helping. Maybe <laughs> 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 um, you know, we're helping the economy run. 
Um, but as a small business, we, Lemon Quarters, we don't have a, a product as such. We have a digital product. And what a lot of people are not aware of is there is a huge digital digital waste. Um, for example, if I send a huge PDF to, I don't know, 30 people, I've got to take responsibility for those 30 people downloading that huge PDF and spending all that energy just, you know, chucking away at trying to get that email PDF oh. open. So as a business, we are very conscious of our digital um, uh, waste. And what we try and do as a business is we limit our emails that we send internally. We try and we do a lot of things on Google um, Drive. We try not send these huge whacking emails. And, and that's really hard for us because we are a creative business. We we create videos, we create podcasts, we create graphics. So it, it, it's, it's super hard for us, but we are mindful that any email we send is actually duplicated and that email is then stored in a huge data center that's the size of Luton. And that takes a lot mm. of energy for that storage to just sit there and wait there. So as it, we're, we're not completely, you know, off the hook. We are also, as a small business, trying to make sure that we tick boxes and that we don't add to that waste. Um, there's a lot of simple things that we do. But we were, to be honest, we were doing a lot of this stuff before before this stuff was really big. Um, for example, we would... I would be cycling to my meeting that was maybe an hour and a half away. Ooh, uh. Like, I've got a massive Dutch bike, and you'd see me cycling around London from one. And people say to me, why don't you just get a taxi? I'm like, because I could just, it's just, it's easier. And it's, you know, it's a pleasant journey just turning up to a meeting on a bike in the fresh air, <laughs> or not for it. But even before the big, you know, We've got to be more green, yeah. lemon quarters, but we were doing that. Um, and so what we're trying to do is step things up. So we're trying to write out what we want to achieve. We're trying to have it at the core of our business. We're trying to share more information. We're trying to work with lots of different companies to promote being more sustainable and being more green. And we know that there are. It's, it can be hard for smaller businesses, especially mm -hmm. the cost aspect, but we know coming down the line, but most major businesses, it's going to be set in law. So it's actually, there's actually an opportunity for businesses to actually grow and make money by being green. It doesn't look like it at the moment, but there, <laughs> in the distance, there, there, there is. And a lot of businesses have started telling us um, how well they're doing from changing elements of their business. A lot of people think that being more sustainable is all about, you know, how they travel, what they eat, and not using paper, all that recycling. But the single biggest thing that we could all do as consumers and business owners is watch where, we, where our pensions are and where we invest our money. Apparently, um, a research by a company called Make My Money Matter did some research and they found out by just moving your pension or your investment fund or your investments or your bank account, you can, uh, you can have an impact of 21 times or, or more wow. on the planet by just changing 
where your pension is. Because if you think about it, some pensions, they are, they are, they're, they're funded by mm. unethical, mm. unsustainable mm. businesses. And if you just get rid of that and invest in a pension that is more ethical, then I'm mm. not saying that's all you need to do, but that is the, the one biggest single thing you can do. So um, if you um, had advice for um, a small business or a business um, in terms of sustainability, what three things would you say, what three top things would you say um, <laughs> they could do to improve um, sustainability within their, their, their business? I think the first one has to be, um, which is always the hardest one, I think they've just got to sit down and think about what it is that they can do. Because there's so many, there's so many places to start. And if you start at different places, you're just going to get really overwhelmed. And also there's so much information saying, do this, do this, do this. But if you can start with uh, your plan, or this is what I want to do. And then from there, choose some really easy stuff. So first one for me would be, as a, as a service business, it'd be limiting large uh, PDFs and things like that. Um, the second one, sorry, that's the, that's the second one, <laughs> PDFs and emails. Um, the uh, third one would be um, as a business, as a small business, would be looking at my suppliers, looking at who supplies me and making sure that the, that the suppliers you choose are not greenwashing you, but are actually doing what they say they're mm. doing. So I think those three things. One, have a plan. Two, reduce your emails. Three, look at your suppliers. And four, if you want to be extra, extra <laughs> as a consumer, <laughs> is um, look at where your pension right. is, mm. maybe. Yeah, that's um, – and I've got my small business hat on, and that suppliers thing – First of all, the PDFs, I didn't even think about that. that that's like blowing my mind. So, yeah, definitely going to be a, a lot more conscious about what I'm sharing um, by email. But that suppliers thing is so tricky to get right because you're, that greenwashing is so easy to do. They can tell you they're yeah. doing X, Y, and Z, but then when you really get into it, they're yeah. not. And mm. and um, just yeah. and I, I find that so difficult because – as a small business, you want to know that you're operating with integrity and um, someone else's yeah. actions can really undermine the message that you're trying to get out there or the brand that you're trying to build. And, and yeah. you're relying on them being honest with you. So, and mm. I don't know whether this is something that you can advise on, but are there any checks that small businesses can do to really interrogate the suppliers that they're working with or, or like how can we help ourselves to, to do that due diligence so, so so i don't know if this is like this is what i'm thinking it might not be that helpful but i'm thinking that historically a lot of fashion brands or brands that work in kind of uh, producing um physical clothing they tend to not really help each other uh, if you're in the same industry as someone, that you, they tend to see each other as like competition. And I think sometimes it's about trying to share more, obviously not give your trade secrets away of, you know, how you 
operate, etc. But if you if if companies doing the same thing can share more and have more conversations and out mm. businesses, because that's how you find out when people are like, oh, do this person because this person, or I had a problem with this. But I'm finding that there's a lot of conversations that are being held online if you're in the right groups about who to use and who not to use. Um, but the information is not out there um, readily. There's no um, online um log of which companies are doing are not are doing are kind of making up their green um credentials so it is difficult but what i also find is if you speak to people across your sector as well like different sectors not just within your industry or within what you do you may be able to get some help and advice because i know we did a workshop um, with your husband <laughs> and he was awesome by the way and he was being really open about you know having issues with just everything is like there was a problem with the label or something and there was a photographer in the group who was like oh I know this person that could help you with this and uh, they could do this and this and that might be and I just thought actually they're not even in the same sector they're not even in the same thing but this photographer has got advice for this kind of clothing retail brand and I just thought you tend to get more from other sectors yeah, I find. I love that. Collaboration. Cooperation. Yeah. I like yeah. it. Yeah. I like it. I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh we got me. <laughs> yeah, so you can be the C. You can be the C. <laughs> Marie-Claire is the joint co-founder of Lemon Quarters Media, a boutique content agency where starting and listening to exciting conversations is the driving factor over pushing out tired, uninspiring content. Marie-Claire has also co-founded with her business partner, Kelly Baines, a 500-plus strong female network of amazing and inspiring women in business called the Nurture Network, whose aim is to help and encourage female business leaders and professionals to grab that seat at the boardroom table. Visit lemmaquarters.com for more information or take a look at her Instagram, instagram.com, Nariva Boutique. What in the world? Okay, so that is a new segment that we have um, where we use, um, we refer to a, a topic that's happened this week that's going on in the world. And unfortunately, we can't get away from this story. We totally skipped over it last week and the week before. <laughs> But Slapgate and Will Smith. So I don't, I don't know if <laughs> oh, no. yeah, even you're bored of it. And it's like we're all bored I... of it. However, um, it's relevant yeah. to our question. Mm -hmm. He has been banned. Um, Will Smith has been banned from the Oscars for ten years. Now I asked C earlier. I didn't actually know what this meant. I was like, so he's been banned. What does that mm. mean? It's like the Oscars, some kind of secret society or Hollywood society where they are in charge of what movies you can go on or be in and da, da, da. But apparently, no, it's just the actual ceremony for 10 years. He can't go. Okay. Is that right, C? Yeah. He can still win an award. He just can't attend. Yeah. Okay. Um, Boo-hoo. Which is like, okay. Sorry, guys. Non-story. That's the one thing you can't go to you can just do your own oscars in your oh, million, actually, million, 100 million pound house I, there might be other award ceremonies included in that as well to be oh. fair but he can still okay. win the awards he just can't go to collect it yeah oh wow mm. however anyway that's that 
that's that. I was saying um, that a lot of people that are like, oh, it was just planned. It's a PR stunt, whatever. Um, each and every person who was involved, so Will Smith, um, what's his face? The one that Chris Rock. Stuck, Chris Rock and Jay Smith. I've been on Netflix. All of their programs are in the top 10. So old films, like 2009 are now trending. So yeah, oh, really? so not only are um, they, their books are doing better now, the, the films they're in doing better now. Everyone's waiting for the next Red Table talk and they're all trending worldwide. So we were wondering... But haven't they stopped? They've, they've also stopped one of his Netflix... And have um, they? They, they have. They oh, have. Yeah. His, his new... His latest oh, yeah. new one. Well, thing. what was the other one um, that was... There was yeah. one that was trending that he did with... Oh, I can't remember. It was an, a romance one comedy that was trending. But anyway, we were just going to say, um, in terms of PR, is there such a thing as bad PR? Or bad press? Um, thing is, <laughs> if there is, you can always turn it around. So I see those sort of things as okay. opportunities. There's always a, there's an opportunity in everything. So I'm not sure. It's a really hard question. Because if you've got the right people around you and you can kind of spin that, negative story into something positive it's actually a good okay. thing how important would you say pr is for business owners and um creatives well anyone in business really i think it's super important a lot of people kind of dismiss pr and the power of pr and the pr kind of budgets but it is super important for smaller businesses it's not really on our radar as such and, and also um, PR has kind of changed a little bit from when I did PR. When I did PR, it was, these are the news titles, these are the journalists, these are the picture editors, these are these are the key people. Now, there's so many other media platforms that smaller businesses should aim to be on or should aim to collaborate with. There's, there's so much opportunity to get your business out there and to get someone else saying something positive about your business rather than your mum or you or your, <laughs> and me. Rather than, you know, rather, rather than yeah, your best Professionally. Yeah. 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 You've been so generous throughout this podcast episode already and given oh. us loads of advice, but we end with some words of advice from our guest. And um, the question that we okay. have is just based on your career and, and the fact that you've grown, um, okay. rebranded, if you will, throughout, throughout the years, what advice would you give to anyone who might be considering changing their profession or just completely starting over? What have you learned that you can share? I would say try and find someone that's in that space, like a mentor. And I, someone that's done it so you can see what it looks like to do. I don't know if you want to be a kind of a, a natal nurse or if you want to be by a chemist you need to see mm. really see it so you can mm. be kind of understand it and the best way of doing that is speaking to someone in the industry who's done it so they can you know help you and guide you and, and share with you some of the stuff that you might not know about that career mm. or that job 
I think that's quite important. Yeah, because a lot of the time we've got perceptions of careers built up in our minds that are very different because, yeah, yeah, you idolize, definitely. yeah you idolise your mm. dream job, dream house, and then you turn up and the house is <laughs> all mashed up and there's no paint in it, there's no floorboards, <laughs> it's just, you've got mice, you've got ice. Oh no, yeah. Marie Claire, you sound no, like you're talking good. from experience, like, what is it? <laughs> I am, I am. <laughs> Um, my house is currently being refurbed because we've had like loads of issues. Just yeah, yes. it's yeah, we trust It'll you. It'll be worth it in the end. We have a section on the blog, um, a recommendation from our guest. Um, so that could be a book, mm-hmm. a TV program, um, an album if okay. that's inspired you. Is there anything that has helped you on the way um, that we can put in into the blog? I think I would choose this moment to help someone that is not sure about what they want to do or if they're doing something and they're not sure about it. Um, I I think I listened to the podcast and I think I read the book. It's by Mel Robbins and it's The Five Second Rule. And what it does is it helps people who are a little bit like, I need to wait for this to look like this, I need it to be like that. But it stops those people that are perfectionists. It stops them, it helps them just move on and get things done. It helps them start projects and stop them. It helps them come up with ideas and then stop. It helps them do things in a way that you kind of need to do if you're starting up or running a business. You need to get on with things and do it quite quickly. You cannot hang around waiting to pretty things or make it look great or think about things too long because before you know it, someone else will come along and would have done Exactly that. Fantastic. So, yeah, it's that five second. Just thank do you it. so much. You're yes. welcome. Oh, it's lovely yeah. meeting both of you. I enjoyed this episode awesome. so much. I've learned so much. It's such a sore space of time. I really enjoyed speaking oh. to you guys. Okay. I know. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank, thank you so you. much Michelle, for having me. I'll catch up with you soon. Take care. Bye. 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 Women Who Rebrand, the podcast. Honest and humorous conversations about the transitional phases people experience to grow, start over, or rebrand to become their most authentic selves. Hosted by former mummy bloggers Sarita Fontaine and Chioma Olaleye, and guest featuring professional rebranders. The podcast covers starting over at different stages of life, championing personal growth, aka a personal rebrand.